Psalms chapter 127. I want to start there at uh, verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. What a beautiful, beautiful verse. I'm going to read it one more time. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. That's one of the dangers. One of the dangers of, of, of being in the flesh is that man tries to take credit for what God's doing. We tend to try to take credit for what God's doing. You will say, my church, and uh, we'll say, uh, I go out to my church, it's, uh, it's my house, it's my family, it's my body, whatever it might be. We take credit for the things that God is building because we're part of that labor. We get it, we, we're part of that labor, but we forget to, we forget to, uh, to, to comprehend and to remember that God is doing it through us. That uh, you, you, your breath of life, the very breath of life you have this morning is through God. The life you have is, is God's. And it, the Bible says there in verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, the, they labor in vain that build it. And I'm going to preach this morning on the Lord's three houses that we should be building on. Except the Lord build the house of the church. Except the Lord build the house of the family. And except the Lord build the house of the Holy Spirit, which is the house of the Holy Spirit is our bodies. Except the Lord build those three houses, you're, what you're doing is you're laboring in vain. You're wasting your time doing anything. You're wasting your time unless you're allowing the Lord to build this house of the church, build the house of your family, and to build the house of your body, which is the, the Holy Spirit, which is, of course, your body. So let's start out with the first one. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. This is not our church. This is the Lord's church. Amen. We always need to remember that. Is that we're, we're part of this and, and we get in here and we don't physically with our eyes see Jesus Christ come in and sit in these pews, but He's here. Amen. And we forget that uh, we're just in this part. We're just in this with the Lord. And it's not our house. Of course, it's not our church. It's not our ministry it's not our labor, it's the Lord's. This is something we're doing for the Lord, and we need not leave, uh, forget that. We're not doing this necessarily for Indian Gap or the Hamilton County or the areas around Hamilton County. We're not doing it for them. We're doing it because of Jesus Christ. We're here because of Jesus Christ. We're here because we want to see Jesus Christ glorified and lifted up. And that day that we forget that, we're laboring in vain. Everything we're doing is a labor in vain. God's not behind it. It's vain. It's vanity. It's a waste. It's a waste of time. It says there in verse 1 that they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. They labor. The Lord is building His work, but we are the laborers. The Lord's working, but we're working with the Lord. And what that means, and the way I read it, is that we're not just sitting around waiting for the Lord to show up. We're working with the Lord. The Lord's working through us, and the Lord's using us. But that don't, that don't mean we sit back and say, okay, Lord, this is your house. Get busy. I'm going to see what happens. No, we're working, and the Lord's working through us. The Lord's laboring through us. And that's what we always need to remember is that even though it's not our work, it's our work we're doing with our physical bodies, but the Lord's working through us to do that. This is the labor for the house of the church. 
I believe, and a hundred years ago, this church is over a hundred years old, somebody through the Holy Spirit said, and can you imagine this? A hundred, over a hundred years ago, somebody woke up one morning and said, there needs to be a church right there. Amen. Amen. And somebody didn't say, somebody needs to build a church right there. No, somebody woke up and says, said, I need to build a church right there. And I'm not saying that they physically did it by themselves, but they said, we need to do that. And they started gathering people together. So this is where we need to have a church. But there was, a, there was somebody. It, it might have been a woman. It might have been a, a young man. It, I don't know who it was. But they woke up and maybe they said to their husband, Honey, we need to have a church right there on that property right there. Wouldn't that be a wonderful place to have it? Somewhere, And that was God working through that person. Giving them the idea through the Holy Spirit, moving the Holy Spirit, breathed on them and gave them this idea of, hey, do, do, wouldn't it be nice to have a church there to worship the Lord, to be able to meet, to gather, to the house of the Lord? And who would have dreamed that a hundred years later, way off in the 2000s, that that church would still be there growing? They couldn't have dreamed, I guarantee you. Can we, we, we can't think of what a hundred years from now is going to be like. But we can know what today is. And today is the Lord's day, and it's the Lord's labor, and we're just laboring with Him. Amen. We don't sit around, and we don't just sit around allow, uh, allowing God to work. We're, we're doing the work, and God's working through us. We are Jesus Christ's hands on this earth. We are Jesus Christ's mouthpiece. We're His feet, and He uses us, and we allow Him, because He's our Lord and Savior, we allow Him to use us to get going. What I'm trying to encourage you by saying this, the house of the Lord is not supposed to be full of lazy people. We're supposed to be full of people that are working. So many people get in the, uh, the rut of just saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, and they don't ever get around to doing it. Uh, Dr. Ruckman, I, I grew up uh, under Dr. Ruckman's pastor and ministry <laughs> as a Christian, and I remember he was making fun of those, we call them 7-Eleven songs, where they, they have the seven words and they repeat them 11 times over and over and over again. And he, he got up there and he was, he was talking about all the wonderful hymns we have in our hymn book. And he, I remember Dr. Ruckman, he was saying, uh, he was saying, like, he's saying, like, you have those songs that say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, we will praise him, we will praise him, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, we will praise him. And Dr. Ruckman said, hey, dummy, shut up and start doing it. Doing it. You know, stop talking about it and do it. And, and I, I appreciated that attitude. Like, well, you know, let's stop talking about it. Let's just do it. And we're, not, we're not in here just to worship the Lord. We're in here to serve the Lord, to, to work for the Lord. This is His, His house, and we're not laboring for us. We're laboring for the Lord, and the Lord, I believe, is building this house. And I tell missionaries this all the time, and I believe it because I've seen it in my ministry. Where the Lord leads, He provides. And if the Lord's leading a certain way, He'll provide. He'll provide the money. He'll provide the resources, whatever it might be. If you're trying to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ and you don't have the money and you don't have the resources, you better sit down and you better check yourself. If you're five years on deputation and you can't get over to your field that you're going to, let's say your field's Brazil, and you've been on five years of deputation and you're still trying to raise money, you need to stop and pray and say, Lord, what's going on here? And I've known brothers that took them five, six years. And that's faithfulness. But it, you need to stop and think, okay, if the Lord's leading me, then he's going to provide. He's going to provide the resources. He's going to provide the needs because it's the Lord's work. Amen? Amen? 
It's his labor. We're just, we're just, we're, he's just using us. So we always need to remember that. And what I'm trying to go on and on about is that it's not enough to say praise the Lord. You've got to praise the Lord and do something. Amen. And I got to, I found this, and I'd heard this a long time ago, and it just like, ding, I was like, oh, man, that's so wonderful. It's, and maybe some of y'all old-timers will remember this. There used to be a song back in World War II that was, that was the name of the song was Praise the Lord and Pass the Ammunition. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's every Christian should have that. Praise the Lord, now pass the ammunition. And what I take that to mean is, praise the Lord, now let's get busy. Praise the Lord, now let's fight. Praise the Lord, now let's get busy handing out tracts. Let's get busy witnessing for Jesus Christ. Let's get busy living the life that Christ wants us to live. It's not enough to say praise the Lord. We've got to live it and not stop. We've got to start walking it and stop talking about it. That World War II song was uh, evidently coined in uh, Pearl Harbor. They said there was a Navy chaplain there, and he, put, he, he said that, that, that you know, the Japanese are bombing them, and he said uh, uh, that, that something happened, and he said, well, praise the Lord, now pass the ammunition. <laughs> and if somebody heard that and said, man, that old preacher is crazy. And they, and they, turned, they turned it into a song. And I'm going to read this song because I love it. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition, and we'll all stay free. Praise the Lord and swing into position. We can't or can't afford to be a politician. Amen. Amen. Hey, it's not time to be politicking. It's not time to be conniving and working behind the scenes. It's time to be busy working and fighting. Praise the Lord and swing into position. Can't afford to be a politician. Praise the Lord. We're all between perdition. That's what we're fighting. Destruction. We're trying to keep people from going to hell and the deep blue sea. Yes, the sky pilot said it. Y'all got to give him credit. For a son of a gun of a gunner was he. See, that, I love this old stuff like that. This stuff, that you, this, this stuff you don't see on TV anymore. You turn on the TV and, and you got somebody who tries to stand up and be a man and then you have somebody say, that's toxic masculinity. Well, I love toxic masculinity. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it when men act like men. You might want your Gomer Powell, but I'll take my John Wayne. Amen. Yeah, you can take your little fairy guy, and I'll take Chuck Norris. That's, I like toxic masculinity. I don't like the little weenie guys walking around. I, I, I like a guy like Jesus Christ that makes a little quart of whips and goes into the temple and throws over the, the money tables and throws them over and is whipping people out of the temple. That's my Jesus Christ. You know, you can take the Jesus Christ that's got a flower in his hair and he's walking through. and his, That's not Jesus Christ. That's not Jesus Christ whatsoever. Shouting the praise the Lord. Amen. We're on a mighty mission. All aboard. We ain't, we ain't going fishing. <laughs> this song could preach. Shouting praise the Lord. We're on a mighty mission. All aboard. We ain't a going fishing. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition and we'll all stay free. Amen. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. So the second thing I want to, I want to point out to you is found there in verse 1. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. The most important thing a Christian can do for these three houses, be it the house of the church, 
be it the house of your family or be it the house of your body, which is the, Holy, the house of the Holy Spirit that your, the Holy Spirit lives in your body, be it one of those three houses, the most important thing a Christian can do is to build a hedge of protection in prayer. Pray, Father, Lord, please build a hedge of protection around this house, around this property, around my family, around my kids. You just got it. You build a hedge of protection. That is a physical thing that God can do for you that the devil can't get through. You want verses to prove it? You go back to the story of Job where Satan had been trying to get a hold of Job and, and God says to uh, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And he goes, yeah, but you've built a hedge of protection around him and I can't touch him. That's what you want. Christian, you want those hedges of protection. So you say, Father, I know I'm no good. I'm sorry I don't deserve it, but would you please build a hedge of protection around my church, around my house, around my family, around my kids, around my property, around my car. These are powerful prayers. And except, and except you allow the Lord to protect it, the watchman watches in vain. Amen. You don't think they didn't have people watching for airline, for bomber pilots there in Hiroshima? There's an airplane. There comes one. That was in vain. Boom. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. Some of the greatest cities, Babylon, where it was overthrown overnight. Had all the watchmen on the walls, everything else. It was overthrown in a night. Your house can be overthrown in a night. Your church can be overthrown in a night. Your flesh, your body can be overthrown in a night. Brothers and sisters, we need to be ever diligent to be praying for the protection, not from the policeman, not from our government, but from the Lord. Our, I'm not allowing on the U.S. government to protect me. And you're a fool if you do that. And I appreciate our police service. And I do appreciate, appreciate our policemen. But I'm not allowing on them to get there in five minutes and protect me. I'm allowing on the Lord. And I'm not allowing. I, I do those things. I labor in those things first to get me a gun. I have my own protection, personal protection. But my, but my first and first priority is Jesus Christ, the Lord, the prayer. Father, build a hedge of protection around me while I have this gun in my hand. Now, y'all pray like y'all want to pray. And I praise the Lord for it, but I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to let the Lord do what He's supposed to do. Amen. It's a labor with the Lord, right? It's a, labor, it's a labor with the Lord. You're laboring with the Lord. Verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so He giveth His beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is a man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Verses 3 through, three through 5 tell us that there's a, there's a house of a family. And except the Lord build the house of your family, you're laboring in vain. You're wasting your time. If you're trying to raise a family without the Lord, you're wasting your time. I feel sorry for you. Wow. Especially in this world right now. How, how, do, you, how do you even do that? I mean, uh, I hear people trying to do that, and I'm like, man, I feel sorry for you. I mean, you go out in this world, and what's the first thing the world tells you about your children? Don't you dare lay a hand on them. You better not. Here's, here's a word. Spank. Ooh. Oh, that's a dirty word. That's a scary word. Spanking. Oh, we can talk about murder and adultery and killing and raping, but we don't talk about spanking. 
We, don't, we, can, we can turn on our TV and we see people getting murdered and we see adultery and we see fornication and drug use and we see raping. We can see anything on TV you can think and dream of, but you'll never see a little kid getting spanked. Oh, that's so evil. And the Bible says you better spank them. You better spank them. You better spank them. How are you raising the family without the Lord? I don't know how you do it. Uh, Sister Winnie Stevens. Dear sister in Christ, I used to go visit her all the time there in Hamilton before she went on to be with the Lord. Every time, I, she was 90 years old. Every time I'd walk into her house, 90 years old, praise the Lord, she was living by herself. The Lord had blessed her. She's living by herself. I go in there, I say, hey, Sister Stevens, how are you doing? Sister Winnie, she wanted me to call her Sister Winnie. She said, I'm doing fine, Brother Keegan. And she'd say this every time. She'd say, Brother Keegan, I don't know how people live in this life without Jesus Christ. I don't know how people get by in this world without Jesus Christ. And that always made an impression on me. Because she's right. I don't know how people do it. Now, you might be listening to me, and in your heart you might say, it's easy to live without Jesus Christ. I know millions of people doing it without Jesus Christ. But let me ask you a question. Do you know very many old people doing it? My point to you is, is that Sister Winnie Stevens was 90 years old. She'd been through the suffering. She'd been through the pain. She'd been through the sorrows of life. You know what I found out about life? Life is not a bed of roses. Life is not what you see on TV. When you turn on the TV and you see these people living life, you're seeing them from point A to point D. You see, here's point A. Here, here's this wonderful marriage. And then you see them all, they're having fun. And then there's a commercial. You don't see them washing dishes, taking out the trash, fighting in the arguing. You don't see all the stuff that happens in real life and the sorrows of a divorce and the sorrows of pain and the sorrows of your loved one dying. But when you're 90 years old and you've seen your loved ones die and all the sorrows, you've learned to rely on Jesus Christ to get you through that. And when you're trying to, live a, you're trying to build a house without the Lord, you're trying to rely on a foundation that's crumbling. You're building a house on the sand. You're not building a house on the rock of Jesus Christ. Because there's going to come a time in your life you're going to experience sorrow that you can't escape. You're going to experience sorrow and pain that there's no drug, there's no alcohol, there's no sex, there's no entertainment. There's nothing that's going to take away that sorrow and pain to you, and you need something to help you get through that. Amen. And the world doesn't have anything they can give you. They'll try to give you something when you're not in a lot of pain and say, okay, here, look at the little birdie. Like a little kid. Watch the little birdie. They try to entertain you. They try to take your mind off of it. That's why entertainment's so popular in America. Because they've got to be entertained 24 hours a day. Why do we have to be entertained 24 hours a day? Because they're trying to drown out your sorrow and your misery and your lack of peace that you don't have with Jesus Christ. That's why so many Christians, we don't need TV on 24 hours. We don't need all this junk. We just live in Jesus Christ. We're happy. We have peace. But when you start getting older, now listen to me, atheist. You're thinking, you're thinking I, I, I don't need Jesus Christ. Everything's all right with me. When you start getting older and you start seeing them drop like flies all around you, all your loved ones dying, and you start seeing death come knocking at your door, you're going to want my Jesus Christ. I promise you that. You're going to want my Jesus Christ. Look at verse 2. There's a great truth there. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. What verse, what verse 2 is talking about is, he's saying it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time to worry about things you can't fix. You're staying up all night. 
It's vain for you to rise up early. You get up early in the morning just fretting. You sit up late and you're worrying, you're worrying. To eat the bread of sorrows, you're always in pain and sorrow. You're worrying, worrying. It's a waste of time to worry about things you can't fix. Except the Lord build the house, the house of a family, you worketh in vain. There's things you can't fix about your children in a family. And as I got older, I realized that, and I'm not worried about it. I'm not going to stay up all night long and fretting and worrying and, and, and not getting any sleep. And we know it's easy to say that, and it's hard to live it, but some, there comes a time when you say, you know what? They got to do what they got to do. They're not listening to their dad, and they're going to go out and live like they want to live, and just I got to cut it loose and let, the, let them answer to the Lord. Amen. And I've got to live my life. And I can't worry about that. That's I, had, I have a dear family member. She was just telling me just yesterday. She was saying she has a, uh, one of her family members that's, living, that's not living right. And, and, and it's just breaking her heart. And she's just saying, you know, I just got to let it go. I got to let them. I tell them what's right. And then they got to live it. And amen. That's all you can do. All you can do is just hold on to the promises of the Lord that you have raised them in the Lord. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. Now notice I said... The Bible says, and when they are old, you raise them in the Lord, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. A lot of times, it took me a while before I didn't depart from it, amen? I mean, it, it takes us a while. It's when they're older. It's not, they're not going to get it when they're teenagers. They're probably not going to get it when they're in their 20s and 30s. It's going to take living a life and having sorrow and pain come in. You realize, you know what? The Bible's right. Church is right. And I hear people say all the time, I was, raised, I was raised up and that my mom and dad made me go to church every Sunday. I'm not going to go to church. They made me do that every Sunday. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, and they made you brush your teeth every day. They made you take a shower every day. They made you do other things that are right and you do those things. Don't use that as an excuse. Or stop brushing your teeth and stop taking a shower. That's my advice to you. They made you do a lot of things you're not, you didn't want to do. Amen? And we found out when we got older... That that's what we needed to do. You're just too young and immature to realize church is what I need to do. You just hadn't gotten to that age yet. That's the only, you're just showing your immaturity. When, you t when somebody tells me that, they just show me their immaturity. Don't waste your time worrying about things you can't fix. Jesus Christ, he was quoted as saying this in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Whither else shall we be clothed? For all these things that the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. So don't worry about things. Just keep seeking for God and His righteousness. What's His righteousness? His righteousness is found in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the righteousness of God. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I have written in my Bible, never borrow sunshine from tomorrow, for those clouds might turn to gray. Don't borrow sunshine from tomorrow, for those clouds might turn to gray. So many times we're saying, well, tomorrow I'm going to do this, that, and another, and you never know what tomorrow's going to bring. Just live for today. And live in today. And if there's any sunshine you're looking for from tomorrow, it's got to be a heavenly sunshine. Not an earthly sunshine. It's a, hey, no matter what, I know Jesus Christ has got a place waiting for me up in heaven. That's my sunshine. That's not going to fade. That's never going to turn to gray. Amen? So it's okay to borrow from that sunshine, 
But we tend to borrow from the sunshine of the world of, hey, well, tomorrow I have this big check coming in, and I can work, and I can do this, and I can pay this off. And Yeah, man, you got a plan, but, but you never know what tomorrow's going to bring. Amen. You finish all that off by saying, and Lord willing, Lord willing, Lord willing. It is vain for you to rise up early, sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, the children are the heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his. Reward. Verse 4, as arrows are in the hand, I'm trying to find this verse here, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. That's an interesting verse there at the end of verse 4. Because he says that it's like when you have a lot of children, it's like a man that has a lot of arrows in his quiver. You can send them out. You know, you're sending them out. Like, over here, go over there. Go. And that's a real blessing. And if you look on this missionary wall, we got, we got our uh, missionary wall there with pictures of almost every one of our missionaries. You know what you'll find out about a lot of those missionaries? Man, they got so many kids. How do they? It's like the old lady in the shoe. We got some up there, seven, eight kids. I'm like, man, how do y'all do that? And y'all over there in some foreign country and all that. And they, they, it's a blessing to them. They love it. And God says it's a blessing. Children are a blessing from God. Amen. And they're a heritage from God. And, and, and children are a big blessing. But I'll tell you something I found out. And I really believe this because it says at the end of verse 4, so are children of the youth. Children, it's not the youth is not the children. The youth is the person that's having the children. When you're young and you're having children, that's when you should be having children. Amen. Not when you're older. And let me tell you why. I mean, I live in it both sides. I'll tell you why. First off, when you're young, you're young and you got the energy to put up with all those little heathens running around your house. <laughs> and they keep you up all times of night. They'll keep you up to 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. You get up in the morning, you go on to work, and you, got, you put up with all that. God never intended grandparents to raise the grandchildren. And I found that out, man, over and over and over again. I've seen it work out where the grandparents just don't do a good job with the grandchildren. And what I mean by that is you can let them get away with more than you would ever let your children get away with. Right. Horrible. I mean, it's unbelievable. I've heard this lady one time turn to her mom and say, because her mom was allowing the grandchild to get away, her mom was allowing the grandchild to get away so much, and she turned to her mom and said, Mom, you would have never allowed me to do that. You would have jerked me up and whipped me. Oh, well, he's just my little precious. Just leave him alone. You don't need to be raising children. Amen. And it, I'm not saying a grandparent can't do it, and it shouldn't be that way. And there's a lot of grandparents having to do it. Amen. And that's, that's a shame. It shouldn't be that way. And, I, and there's a lot of grandparents doing a wonderful job with their grandchildren, but God didn't intend it that way. And we got a country full of grandparents trying to raise their children because these people have these children, and then they run off and don't have any kind of, they don't want to take care of what they have. And if they're not running off, then the world's telling them to abort them and to kill them. It's a shame. I was born out of wedlock. My mom uh, had me out of wedlock. She never did marry the man that she had me with and, uh, and wouldn't have nothing to do with the man I had me with. I am a prime, absolute prime candidate for abortion. My mom had me when she was about 17, just about to turn 18. I'm a prime candidate for abortion. Praise the Lord she didn't abort me. Amen. She should have, according to the world. According to the world, maybe she should have. And I praise the Lord that she, did, she didn't. 
You know why? Because I'm the one she didn't. All those that are fighting for abortion are the ones that haven't been aborted. You can't get around that. I actually read something on the internet with this idiot saying, you're so worried about the unborn and, and, and Georgia's passing these laws. What about, what about all these children that are going to be affected by their parents losing jobs in Georgia? What about all those children? And I want it so bad to come back and say, well, let's just kill them. Just kill those children. You know, you're killing all the children here because they don't have a life to live. Why don't you just go kill them? What's the difference? About maybe 12 months? Just kill those kids too. That's your attitude. They don't get it though. You can't, they don't see that child, so it's easy for them to kill that child. The blood of God's children is crying out to Him in America. And we call out, God bless America. And I say, for what? For the blood of millions of babies that's crying out to God? And he looks down and he sees all that blood running through the streets. And we have people marching, marching for the right to kill babies. Me and my wife were pulling out a camel, uh, out of Commerce Square, and there was this young man, and he had an American flag in one hand. This guy looked like he's like 21, 22. He had an American flag in one hand, and the other hand he said, uh, stand, uh, honk, for, honk if you're pro-life pro or something like that. He was, he, was, he was basically trying to support pro-life. And I, I appreciate him doing something to try to stand up for these unborn babies that have nobody to stand up for. Them. But you also got to stand up for Jesus Christ too. Listen, you don't find in the Bible Jesus Christ going and tearing down whorehouses or tearing down abortions or whatever. You don't see him doing that kind of stuff. The, what you do is you don't tear down the abortion clinics. You change the lives of the people that are going to the abortion clinics. I can go and I can, I can, okay, I'm going to do this to this abortion clinic and I want to shut this down and I want to shut down all the honky-tonks. You know what will happen? They'll just start doing it in the back of the alleys and they'll start doing it. What you do is you change the lives of the people that are acting that way. So the abortion clinics won't have any business and they have to shut down. It's all about money, brothers and sisters. And when they don't have the money to do it, and the government don't have the money to give it to them, they'll shut down. The only reason they're open today is because your tax dollars are going to fund that trash. And every time they're up there and you're giving all that money, it's going to, it's going to that kind of stuff. And every time we try to fight that, they throw a big fit, you know. No, no, you religious fanatic, you religious fanatic. I just don't want to be a part of murder. You know what? You'd be surprised. I'm not as pro-life as you think. I mean, I'm pro-life, but I don't hit this stuff that much. But every once in a while, it gets on me, and I feel like the Spirit moves on me. And we're destroying the families of this country. And the Lord, unless except the Lord's building your family, you're wasting your time. Amen. Verse, let's look at the last verse. Happy is a man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, for they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Your children will take care of you. Your children will be, protect you. Your children will have the, your best interest for you. And I want to point out in the last one, the last point I have is the house of the Holy Spirit. That's your body. Amen. You know, I was talking to a man at uh, work, and he came up to me and he said, Man, there's all these tornadoes. 
And he goes, people are starting to think there's been a record number of tornadoes. And there seems like there has been. I can't compare. I mean, I don't know for a fact, but it seems like there's this tornado every, every couple of days in America, all over America. And he said, there's all these tornadoes. And he said, people are starting to think it's that HARP program. Now, y'all might not know what the HARP program is, but it's a conspiracy theory where, where the U.S. government's created this, this uh, ability to control weather as a weapon. And they control weather as a weapon, whereas like the U.S. government can say, okay, we want a tsunami to hit China. We're mad at China, so we're going to bring a hurricane against China. And they shoot something up in the air, and they're trying to control the atmosphere. They're trying to cause weather patterns to change over in China or Iran or whoever's the enemy of America. So there's this great conspiracy theory. That's what they're trying to do with this heart program. So this guy is telling me at work, he's saying, yeah, these people think that with all these tornadoes, it's the U.S. government. And it's harp, and they're messing with the atmosphere. No. No, it's not the U.S. government. It's God. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. The Lord's Lord's keeping the city. The Lord's not keeping the city. It's all in the Lord's hands. Well, what do we do? I heard somebody on TV say, what do we do to make Mother Nature so mad? Uh, for one thing, Mother Nature is not mad. It's Father God. Father God is mad. You asked the wrong question. You got the, you're going down the wrong trail. You're going down the wrong, right path, but you got the wrong person. It's not Mother Nature. It's Father God. So take that out of your mouth and realize it's Father God that's mad, and you better check yourself and repent. We've got a house of the Holy Spirit, which is our body, and if we're going to build it, we don't need to be building it in anything outside of Jesus Christ. So if you're trying to build your spiritual house, which is your body, and say, okay, I want to meditate, and I want to become one with the universe, and you want to start doing these enchantments and these enchantments, and you want to start getting into uh, uh, wicked witchcraft and start sacrificing and, and, and incense, and you want to do all the, you want to go and start refer- self-reformation, and I'm going to make myself better, all these things, you're building it without the Lord, and you're building it in vain. You're building a spiritual house that does not hold up. And false religions and these false ways of worshiping God. You've got to come to Jesus Christ. It's a waste of time. You can't build a spiritual house of your body without Jesus Christ. Impossible. Impossible. Turn to John 1. I'm going to close real quick in John chapter 1. I'm closing in this verses right here. I'm going to show it to you. It's impossible. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's a waste of time. You've got to have Jesus Christ to build up your spiritual house. You've got to have Jesus Christ to build up the house of the church. You have to have Jesus Christ to build up the house of your family. And you've got to have Jesus Christ to build up your spiritual house of your body. Look at John chapter 1, and I'm going to close here in verse 12. So many people go about it the wrong way. And they try to build it the wrong way. And there's only one way to build a house. It's with the Lord. The only way to build a church is with the Lord. The only way to build your family is with the Lord. The only way to build a spiritual house is with the Lord. Now, I could have went on for an hour talking about how to build your spiritual family, house of your family. I could have went on an hour talking about your your house, building the house of your family by having a prayer altar at the house, praying with your family, praying over the meals, reading, Doing all the things that a Christian family should do. But you should, you should already know this stuff. And if you don't know it, you need, you need to learn it. Amen. 
Now, the spiritual body, that's something personal between you and God. And you're trying to build up the spiritualness. He's trying to worship God and Jesus Christ there. And, and I'm not going to turn to it. But remember, in John chapter 4, Jesus Christ is talking to the woman at the well. And she's talking about worshiping God. And Jesus Christ tells her, you don't know what you're worshiping. You need to worship God in spirit and in truth. So many people are trying to reach out to God, and they try to get up to God, and they're not in spiritual, not in truth. Oh, they're so sincere. They're so sincere in their practices. They're so sincere in their prayers and their meditations, and they're reaching out to God. But I told you a hundred times, I'll tell you one, one more time, but all sincerity without the truth is still a lie. You need to make sure you're in truth. Jesus Christ said they must worship God in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. You must worship Him in spirit and truth. Verse 12, John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received Him, received Jesus Christ, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. That's salvation. That's how you build your spiritual house. The foundation is Jesus Christ and putting your faith in Jesus Christ and receiving Him as your Lord and Savior so you can become a son of God and become part of the family of God. That's it, verse 12. Now, verse 13 tells you how you don't do it. And I want to close here. We were, which were born. That's born again. That's a spiritual birth. That's something you can't see. That's Jesus Christ said, you must be born again. So there's a birth there spiritually. And then you start building on this house, which were born, look, not of blood. That's not by evolution. That's not of, I'll just grow to, get be to be better. That's a scientific way. See, that's a scientific way of doing it. We're just going to evolve and become a better race. We're going to evolve and become better humans. I hear them say that kind of stuff, and it makes me almost, almost laugh till I'm crying. You mean we're evolving? I think we're de-evolving, if you want to believe in that nonsense. People are 100 times worse now than they were just 15 years ago. Not of blood. Of course, that's not the blood of Jesus Christ. We know we're born of the blood of Jesus Christ. This is not a blood, your blood. Nor of the will of the flesh. The will of the flesh, that's not by reformation. You're not going to reform yourself. That's religion. That's a religious practice. You're not born of a religious practice. That's uh, not of the will of the flesh. Well, a religious practice, that's, a, a, that's a, a, a religion. We will correct him. We'll show him how to act. We'll show him how to conduct himself. We'll show her how she needs to go to church at this place and, and say these prayers. That's a religious act. You're not born of that. Nor of the will of man. That's a resolution. So many people try it this way. Well, I'll just correct myself. I'll just be into a, a, a self-hypnosis, self-help. That's new age, brothers and sisters. Amen. You're not born of evolution. You're not born of reformation. You're not born of a resolution, not a will of the man, nor the will of the man, but of God. Amen. God will make me new. Amen. You see where that ends? It's exactly where we started. Except the Lord is building this church, we're laboring in vain. Except the Lord is building your family, you're laboring in vain. Except the Lord is building your spiritual house, your spirituality, you're laboring in vain. You must allow God to be in it. You must allow God to work in it or you're doing it for nothing. 
And you need to stop and check yourself and say, okay, is this family all about living in this world? So the world tells me, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, you got to do that. You got to stop and say, am, am I following what the world's telling me or do, uh, uh, am I listening to what God is telling me how to build it? Because I'm laboring, I'm there laboring, but am I laboring for the world or for the Lord? You need to build it up in the Lord. And if you'll let the Lord work in your life and build this place, there's no telling what He can do. What's amazing about God, and I'll close by saying this, what's so amazing about God is, is He takes little small things and He makes them into huge things. And He does that over and over and over again in the Bible where you have something as simple as a jawbone of an ass. You got the jawbone of a donkey. And he allows that jawbone of a donkey. When God gets a hold of that jawbone of a donkey, it kills a thousand Philistines. Say, Samson did that. No, God did that through Samson, using the jawbone of an ass. Man, Moses lifted up that staff, and this Red Sea parted, and they walked over on dry land. Moses did that. Moses didn't do that. God did that. You see, you've got to get the Bible right. You start glorifying these men. God doesn't want men to get the glory. That's why he takes little things. And uses little things, because then who gets the glory? It isn't that little thing, it's God gets the glory. Except the Lord build this house, they labor in vain. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, that there's men and women that are willing to labor for you. And Father, I ask you to bless them. Bless their hands, bless their family, bless them financially, bless them spiritually, Lord. And Father, I just pray, Lord God, that as we walk through this earth, Lord God, that you'll help us to, help, help us to build this church. We want to build it for you, Lord. We want you to be in it. Lord, we want you to help us build our families. We want you to be in it, Father. We want you to be in the, the, the process, Lord. I want you to help us teach us, Father, how to build a family, how to take care of our children, what to say, what to do, what not to do, Father. Lord, I ask you to help us to build our spiritual bodies, Father God, how we should act, how we should conduct ourselves, Lord. Lord, we, we come to you for the instruction, not the world. And Lord, we want you to help us build it, Lord. Lord, we know we're not lazy. We're, we're not trying to do anything, uh, just sit back and watch, Lord. We want to, to be working with you, Lord, but we want you to be the one to get the glory. Work through us, Father. And Lord, we're not going to just sit on our laurels, just sit on the couch, Lord God, and let the world pass us by, Father. We're going to work for you. We're going to labor for you, Father, because there's, these things are important to us, Father. Our church is important to us. Our families are important to us. And, of course, our bodies, our temple of your Holy Ghost are, is very important to us, Father. So help us to overcome these uh, problems we have, Father, and to labor for you, Lord. And Lord, we want you in it. We don't want you on the outside, Lord. We want you on the inside, working in us, working through us. Lord, getting the glory. And Father, we thank you for your words and for your Holy Spirit. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. 
So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him